Welcome to Cyber Attacks, the podcast that blows far too strong from the West. The Midwest, in this case. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And this time we're covering Season 2, Episode 2 of House of Cards. Entitled Chapter 15, just if you're not confused enough. All right, so this was another pretty big episode, I think. There's um, a lot of things starting to kind of form, a lot of Frank's plans kind of taking shape this episode. Sure. Uh, We discover a lot about Claire uh, and her past. We discover, um, or I guess not discover, but we see a lot of of the machinations behind getting Jackie appointed. Sure. uh, Which were really interesting, and, and we can talk about those first if you want. Um, the, also, the other thing that's interesting is the machinations going on against tra- uh, Tusk. Yes. Rather. Uh, probably my favorite part of this episode, actually. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on is that we forgot to, on the last podcast, is talk about how, you know, towards the end of last season, it seemed like Frank was talking less and less into the camera and breaking the fourth wall less and less. And then the last uh-huh. episode, he went on this long monologue. And then the first episode in season two, he's like, did you guys think or think I'd forgotten about you? Did you wish you had? Mm-hmm. And like it talks to us like he's a supervillain monologuing, yeah. which I thought was interesting. And uh, today he's or at the beginning of this episode during a swearing in ceremony. Uh, he saw, talked about him being one heartbeat away from the presidency. I like how they're playing with that convention They're mm-hmm. You know, it's like breaking the fourth wall wall you know it's the, the fact that they're acknowledging that he's doing that now and using that as part of the storytelling device i think is is interesting it's keeping it from being stale or cliche yeah um, and when he does turn to the camera and he says uh, you know i'm one heartbeat away from the presidency if you did not understand that this was his plan from the very beginning now you should because that is the line that he used right near the beginning of season one um, to kind of describe Matthew's position, right? Right. So that is what he's been aiming for the entire time, and now he's there. What did you make of... Because um, they're using a lot this year, even more so than last year, it seems like, of real uh, Congress people and real news people. Mm, yeah, uh, yeah. This episode opened with Rachel Maddow just shitting all over Frank's uh, choice uh, as the vice president, saying he's like bland, uninspired, placeholder... That yep. seemed to be pissing Frank off. Uh-huh. Um, we also found that something that we kind of buried the lead because I don't think we really got it that f- that Christine or Christina yeah. got placed in the White House by Frank. Yeah, as number one, a way to buy her off, I think. Mm-hmm. And two, we find out how incredibly useful it is because she's like the, I guess, president's direct personal assistant or maybe press secretary or something like she's that. She's definitely traveling with him. Yeah, we're not sure um, exactly what what she is, but she's in a position where he can tell her all the unofficial things that he does on his schedule. So he knows exactly. when Raymond Tusk is blowing into town from the West Yep, and uh, things like that. So that that was a, a power play that I think we kind of missed last time. Sure, definitely. Uh, we know the other thing we learn. Um, what you know, we see the 
the Frank's house is getting torn up from the floor up as they're <laughs> building him his fortress of solitude. Uh-huh. Which did, what'd you, did you think that was a sly nod to his involvement in Superman? He's Lex Luthor in Superman, and they talked about, ah, oh, it's our fortress, and they're alone. They get that we can be alone in. Huh. Finally, maybe and it was. I don't know. I, I I thought that there was a little bit of uh, that there. But now the the drawback to that is he, as he finds out in this episode, he can't be alone at all. He doesn't get the privacy no. that he once had, and that we know last episode he, he talked about craving that privacy. Um, every last bit he could get. Can't even play Game of Th- or God of Thrones. It's, God of War, it's Jesus. cutting into his hobbies. Like, it, it makes me wonder, how is he going to game? How yeah. is he going to murder? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, see, yeah. how is he going to get away from these uh, Secret Service long enough to take out his next opponent? Yeah, Meacham, I want to I wanna kill this reporter. <laughs> well, sir, you don't have the internet access for that. Uh, this, is, <laughs> this isn't a secure train tr- tunnel. Yeah. Um, uh, what did you think about uh, the the fact that it seems like he took the files on both the guys that he had, yep. uh, which is Webb and Buckmeyer, Buck Walter, I Buck, think. Buck Walter, Jesus, yeah. that, that's that. His file on Buck Walter just said his name is Buck Walter. <laughs> um, it seemed like they released him to each other, yes. and then they're just slinging mud at each other in the press and weakening each other, weakening each other so that Jackie can come out on top. Which was like a rose. which was a really great plan. Do you, I guess Until, this is, yeah, yeah. So this is the easiest. This is the easiest one to break down. Maybe we should go. Sure, let's do it. Um, so Jackie, we saw that um, she is friends uh, with a powerful. We think he's a senator. I'm not sure they come out and say, but yeah, Ted Habermeyer. Ted Habermeyer, um, and he's wanting to back her run. And but we also know that he has a daughter that he's somewhat embarrassed of. But we didn't know why, but we did know she was afflicted with something like muscular dystrophy or something along cerebral palsy, something along those lines. Mm -hmm. We find out by the end of the episode, or we intimate, that she is his illegitimate child from an affair that his wife doesn't know about and no one in the press knows about. And Jackie has helped – has has been the daughter that they never had, the adopted daughter in place of the biological daughter, and she's been kind of their shadow guardian for this woman. Yeah. Um, We also found out that one of the two between – I think it was Webb – hates Havermeyer. And there was a one plot where the two of them realize that they're being triangulated against – so they're like, okay, well, who's going to back out? And Webb says, well, I can offer you the appropriations committee, mm-hmm. and you can't offer me anything but ethics, which is nobody wants. <laughs> so uh, it looks like that the, it was in the bag that he's going to, you know, pack and pack it in and back the other guy, which would get him up and over Jackie. So sure. Jackie realizes she's got to offer something to sweeten the deal. She's got the Ways and Means Committee mm-hmm. somehow, either through Habermeyer or through her own horsepower that she can offer as a, a token. Yeah, I want to say that Habermeyer is chairing that committee. He can't be if he's a senator. Oh, he can't and be? If he's, okay. a, if he's a representative, yeah, because the, the Senate has their own. So so just real quick background, if you don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Congress's chief power is the power of the purse. You know, they, they get to pass and set laws, but they also... Can they? They also have to uh, raise the money and spend the money, 
And of those two, if I was, if you had, a, if you had two people, one person is earning money and giving it to another person to spend. Who's the more powerful of those two people? Person who's earning the money, I assume. Yeah. So um, appropriations basically spends money, ways and means controls taxation and, and tariffs and things like that to raise money. Okay. So that's why they mentioned the House and the, the ways and means is a more powerful committee. Yeah, and so she's offering that. Um, she she said like they have a discussion at a table where she says that, you know we could offer him that, but uh, she would still be as the majority whip. She would still be kind of outranking. Yeah, because she of those guys. she doesn't want to give Buckmeyer because apparently he's a re- and he seems like a chode. He <laughs> okay. seems like a fucking yeah. fat slob that got out fought a while back, and he's just, he's just a, bitter kind, about kind, it. Kind of yeah, bitter uh, idiot that doesn't really know how to play the game properly. Although yep. he gets what he wants in this episode, and that—that's the thing. What she, I think she sees one of the things that makes him weaker is he'd rather have petty revenge than real power. Uh huh. You know, it's like getting getting this guy to be the the fuck out of Washington doesn't really do anything for him. Yeah. So Frank has been in the background of this the entire time, pulling strings because we know that Ted found out not from Jackie but from Durant. Mm-hmm. that Jackie was even interested in the majority whip position. That's true. Uh, and you know that Frank had to tell her to drop that knowledge on Ted, right? Right, right. So he's pulling that string. Then he's like, he's not telling her that he can help her or anything, but he's suggesting to her what to do, kind of like he does with the president in this episode. So do you think that Frank uh, intended uh, what Ted was one of his targets too, or he wanted to use him to gain the money and then he also knew he had it because he had that illegitimate daughter in his files as a trump card that's right uh, they don't really come i mean they're doing an interesting thing where even more so than last year they're not really coming out and spelling things out it's like you have yeah, to which i like yeah you have to kind of keep up with it so uh-huh. i i feel like that um frank had even that contingency well i mean when you take a look at what he did with russo we know yeah. he's certainly capable of putting a plan into motion with a maybe not even backup plan. Maybe that was his primary plan to just self-destruct Russo. Right. Um, so that was the cost of her getting uh, Buckholtz to back down and support her. Uh-huh. Or Buck, what is his name? Buckwalter. Buck, yeah, she... Buckhole. She, she had to out Ted's secret. Yeah. And as a kindness, she came to his office and said, I'm giving you, you know, the story's going live tomorrow. I'm I'm giving you a courtesy notice so you can at least talk it over with your wife first. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is it seemed like once she attacked this man and she stepped out of this mentor-mentee role, he – uh, she 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 had had maybe a lot of lingering disrespect for him this whole time. The way he's treating his daughter as a political expediency. She's like, you know, you've got this sick kid that you've never seen, and yeah, yeah. you've given her money, but you weren't there for her. And she's had nurses to punch out at dinner time, and she's been hooked up to these machines, and she's had this kind of miserable life. Yeah, and he's trying to like make it all about him. So, like she said, like this is breaking my. This is this is making me sick but i'll get over that and yeah. his reaction seemed to do a great deal to help her get over it yeah yeah i mean that was that was a really strong scene in this episode um just her finally facing him down you know mm-hmm. and looking him right in the eye when she's when she says it yeah absolutely 
So that kind of that that means that she is all but certain to be whipped now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Habermeyer, I doubt maybe we won't even see him again because supposedly this is going to destroy his political career. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you think we'll see much of Webb and uh, Buck Walter or Buck Waters or? Uh, I Buck think those, I think those guys are hanging around. We'll probably see more of them, but as far as like what capacity they're in. I- I don't know. They're both fairly well-known character actors, so it seems okay. like it seems like it would be a waste to bring them in for a one-shot, but yeah. you never know. Uh, so that, that takes care of that angle. Uh, do we want to talk about Lucas next? Cause no, that's... no, let's stay on Frank's involvement here. I want to talk about Tusk. Okay, go for it. Lead, lead that. Uh, so this is this episode is all about Tusk's Chinese dilemma, right? He is right. he's basically pushing for less regulation on the imports and the exports from China. Especially from involving rare earth minerals like Which that unobtainium-149 <laughs> or whatever it is. Which he needs for his nuclear reactor. That's the whole reason yeah. he backed Frank in the first place, because he thought Frank exactly. could help him with that, the strong ties in the House and strong ties in the State Department. Yep. Um, but there's also the other issue on the table, which is the cyber tax. Yeah, cyber um, tax. Which is something... Who's really pushing against this? Is this the president's? Well, real he knows thrust? it's going to piss, piss off the Chinese uh-huh. because if you, if you, if you like, so the cyber tax and China's complete disdain for intellectual property yeah. makes it's, it's kind of like their, their hunchback, right? <laughs> they got okay. a hump on their back, and they don't want any fucking person telling them about it to their face. Yeah, they yeah, see yeah. it as an affront, and they know it's like you know if we bring this up, it's going to make them stiffen their back and put up the middle fingers and get Frank's FU cufflinks out. And, and that's exactly around. what happens. Exactly what happens. Cause uh, and the president gave her direct order to, uh-huh. um, the, to soft pedal this and only go through back channels and things like that. She, Frank gave her another direct order, <laughs> which is to <laughs> fuck with the Chinese. And she, uh, this is one thing I'm not entirely sure is convincing, but she tries to play it off. Like, um, well, you know, I told him exactly what you said, but sometimes my staff tries to read between the lines and give me cover, and some, most of the time it's great, but this time it's like, and what are you going to do? Yeah. Do you think that Frank is setting her up to throw her away? I don't really know. I mean, he put her in the position she's in right now in the first place, so I would think, and she seems very loyal to him. I mean, if she's even considering the idea of going against the president's wishes on this, but it seems like Frank's main tool, the biggest hammer he has in his bag, is to say one thing and as soon as to three parties, uh-huh. as soon as the third party leaves the room to completely reverse his his, his direction. He yeah. did that with the president. Uh-huh. He did that with Tusk. He did that with Kathy Durant. He did that with Jackie. He did that with <laughs> Buckmeyer. Like, how many fucking times can he do that before people... Like, I get that the president is, like... You know, simple jack levels of easy to manipulate. Yeah. But everybody else was supposed to respect. And I just feel like they're going to that particular well in lieu of him really doing some political machinations a little too often. Yeah, you might be right. And I, I hope some of that does come back to bite him. I think Tusk is too smart of a guy. Not to figure that out. But it's too, I think it's too, already too late. Tusk, I, it, it is. Yeah. We need to talk about like, there are a couple of scenes here. Like the first one is when the, they're in the president's office talking on the phone with Tusk uh-huh. and, and Tusk says one thing, Frank agrees. And then as soon as he hangs up, mm-hmm. uh, Frank totally convinces the president to do the opposite. But that was in retaliation for 
the White House meeting where Tusk, as he gets up, is like, "Hey, let's, let me take you out to lunch." And mm-hmm. so, and and you can see Frank is like, "Yeah, I got to put a stop to this shit." So yeah. he, by the end of this episode, he pretty much effectively cuts Tusk's dick right off. Yeah, there's the second scene where he and Tusk are talking on the phone, uh-huh. and he's denying that he said anything uh, in, in a very deflective way to where he doesn't have to say no. Right. Um, and Tusk still thinks that Frank is on his side and is leaning on him to lean on the president to get him to do the things that Tusk needs him to do. Which that's the funny thing. Once he got Tusk's blessing to be vice president, there's nothing Tusk can do to him now. No, there, there isn't. And, and Tusk knows that the president's easily manipulated and that, uh, Frank is a master manipulator. I know. So he's he's basically cutting. He is driving a wedge between Tusk and the president. He is because they are friends from a long time ago. Like a mentor, like he said, a first mentor, name mentee. level, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. the thing. It's like um, I think that there is this underlying uh, where Tusk doesn't respect the president. Yeah. I mean, if he calls him by his given name and says behind his back, he's easily manipulated. Of course he doesn't respect him. Sure. But I don't think the president knows that. I don't think he does. And, and that's what Frank is doing. He's actually doing him a service, you know, by helping him appreciate <laughs> this guy's lack of respect, but he's doing it in the most self-serving way possible because Frank doesn't respect the president either. No, no, no. Neither of them do. And, and I don't think the president with his attitude necessarily deserves all that much respect. No, of course. Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, but the really cool part here is I can see a war shaping up between Tusk and Frank. I think I don't think it's going to be much of a war, man. Oh, I think it is. I really think it is. By I think time, Tusk is a very, very savvy guy. I get it. But again, money versus power. What is, what's Tusk? You, let me ask a you A lot this. of money versus what's, power. What's Tusk's <laughs> play here? Uh, I don't know. Like I if he really goes, to, if he goes to the president, even at this point, and says Frank Underwood's manipulating you, I think I feel like the president would say, "You've been manipulating me for years." Uh-huh. Frank is just opening my eyes, and you know, hilarity ensues. <laughs> I, I don't see <laughs> okay. I, I, again. I just and the way that Frank kind of rolls his eyes at us, the viewer, as yeah. as Tusk is saying, "We got to work together. We have to bring this under control." I feel like he already is mentally in the not a threat category. Now he might, he might hit him back sometime later in a way that I can't yeah. see. Especially when you start talking about re-election and them starting to need money again. But for now, I mean, what sense does it make to set this up and then not go anywhere with it, right? I guess. And Tusk is a very powerful person. But ultimately, uh, this is also about Frank Underwood getting to the presidency, right? I mean, sure this is, is where this is going. Yeah, I don't think Tusk is going to defeat Frank. I right. think that Tusk is going to try uh, and put up a fight. Because I mean, just judging on what we saw from last season uh, with Tusk and Frank at his house, um, they they both seemed on the same level to me as far as competency and reading each other and understanding the situation. Mm. So that to me says all-out war between these guys before the season is over. <laughs> yeah, I just think that the big takeaway from last year was that Tusk's weakness is his greed. He loved. He huh. likes to stack up money the way Francis likes to stack up power, and he wanted this thing with China so bad that he was willing to let Frank out of the trap that he set for him. Yeah, because he was the best. He's the only candidate that, at that point, that they could really you know viably put forward because they needed one right there. 
mm-hmm. there's nobody else that was – I mean, like I said, it's just too late to vet anybody else. And yeah. Tusk, Tusk should have cut him out. Uh-huh. But he didn't, and now I just think it's it's, it's really too late because there's only so much you can do to threaten the vice president. Sure, yeah. Um, he he does have a lot of money. I mean, he could certainly start, you know, buying his way into some of the other offices. Uh, just yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe take some backdoor channels here. We're back, and again, I think I think w- w- maybe that we'll see Tusk go away and then come back season three for the presidential bid. Because somehow huh. Frank is going to start okay. undermining the president too. Oh yeah, yeah, but, he wants his job. But that's that, but that's hard because you undermine the president and it really hurts your chances for president. Unless you're just going to murder, <laughs> go straight up murder the president, which that starts to get absurd. Yeah, yeah. If if he murders the president, I'm probably out. Yeah, there's a couple of things where I'm a little concerned about uh, the way this is going, but we'll see. Okay, um, why don't we get into one of them? Let's talk about Lucas. Oh, Christ. Uh, so Lucas is trying to go to the police to look into Zoe and Pete. Uh, his, or the, 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 their deaths and the, the suspicious nature of them. And mm. we can see that he's been you know, hectoring this policeman for a while. And finally the policeman says, hey, you want to see the footage? We haven't shown anybody this. And the sh- footage we see clearly uh. shows what looks like. And it's, it's – it's, Graphic. It's graphic, but it, it kind of is hilarious because we – the first time we saw it, we're like, holy shit, did we just see that? And we backed – we rewound it and watched it again. Uh-huh. And then like – you know, we're like, wow. And then the police guy offers to take us frame by frame through it. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's brutal. Although, it's brutal. It's hard to watch. Although I kind of think that Frank has copies of this footage and he like jerks off to it every night. <laughs> Frame by frame, baby. Yeah, that's how he gets his kicks, murder people. Yeah, he's got, he's got security footage of Russo <laughs> asphyxiating <laughs> and Zoe getting ran over by a train, and he's got him on a dual screen monitor setup. <laughs> oh, God. With Meacham <laughs> right behind him <laughs> watching. <laughs> uh, sir? Sir, you can't jerk it alone anymore. You're the vice president now. <laughs> do you need some help? Do you need some jerking, sir? Uh, so he, that... That and there's two eyewitnesses that said that either she jumped or fell. It was all blur. Um, but this also puts the nail in the coffin to the premeditation argument. Frank knew where that camera was. He knew what he had to do. He knew yeah. where you know he had to push her off to make this work, and that's exactly what he did. Yep. Uh, Lucas is a fucking mess. He gets called on the carpet by his boss, saying, "Look, you gotta you gotta bring it together. You can't come in looking like you just walked out of a dumpster." Uh, the Schlammer comes back. Yeah, Tom's back. Tom the Hammer Schlammerstein or whatever his name is. Uh, and he basically tries to sit down and tell Lucas, look, I get it. And he starts telling this long story about his wife's breast cancer. Well, I'm like, how are these two connected? Yeah, died when she was 31. But he's it like... just about loss, right? Yeah, and the fact that when sometimes grief... I thought the great line was grief demands an answer, but sometimes there isn't any. Like, I want to sue the doctors. I want to sue the hospital. People don't die of breast cancer 31, but sometimes they do. Sure. You know, young reporters don't jump in front of trains, except for sometimes they get mixed in a story that they they, they do. Where this goes off the rails (laughs) is when they bring in this stereotypically fat, sweaty computer nerd, which as a fat, sweaty computer nerd myself, I don't know if I support (laughs) Uh, and they start talking about the dark net and deep we, web, the deep web, uh-huh. the dark web, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> and they have the, sh- 
the most hackneyed version of an internet search since probably Tom Cruise trying to type in Job 316 into a goddamn <laughs> search engine and and scrolling news groups in the original Mission Impossible. Uh-huh. He literally he created a user account called Data Crusader and said, <laughs> need to hack phone records, vice, vice president, president of the United States. Yes. Like, who is going to take up that offer? Yeah, so from a completely unknown source. If you've got a hacker that's uh, that that's got the chops that can do it, and I don't know that there is one guy. Like, there's probably a ring of Russian criminals that's got the power to do that, and a yeah. couple other multi-government, probably some Chinese, yeah, some government <laughs> uh, national groups, stuff like that. But you're not going to get on day one on the tour. And this is all real, by the way. That's uh-huh. absolutely yeah. all real. And what they said, like, you know, the, but but you just can't go in there and be like, oh, I need a hitman. No. Or, I mean, you could probably buy a eighth of weed on <laughs> your first trip to tour. Uh-huh. You could probably get uh, a fake driver's license on your first trip to, to tour. But you're not going to fucking get the, pres- the vice president's phone records hacked. No, no way. It, it just completely falls apart. In fact, the NSA is probably going to find this request and come yeah. and kick your ass in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm just really deeply concerned about where this particular plot line is going uh, as a computer professional. But the other thing is... Yeah, and if they handle it that sloppily in the future. Do you think that anybody besides us cares? Probably not, no. That's the thing. I, I mean, mean, this is like a 24 thing, right? Where it doesn't all need to make perfect sense and it doesn't right. all have to be actually possible just like i'm sure there's of the many hundreds of uh, representatives we have in the the house there's a bunch of them to watch the show and just hoot with laughter at all the shit that goes on because it's just not it's not real but this one is not real in a way that we have experience with and it's just kind of funny yeah so do you think lucas's efforts are going anywhere i mean it certainly seems like the show is setting them up to go somewhere I don't know because, like, I just – I don't know, man, because if you get into that, the the dark web or the deep web, uh, there's plenty of online conspiracy theorists, but they're usually idiots. Uh-huh. So I'm sure he'll have find people that are sympathetic to his views, but can they act – the people that could, have the ability to help don't usually – I mean, there's not a lot of Gene Hackmans from, like, Enemy of the State sure. that are just pure do-gooder crusaders, you know. Yeah. Do you think they're gonna? Do you think they're gonna? This is gonna ha- go into like uh, Snowden territory, where someone like inside the NSA or the FBI or whatever that has these records and has the abilities that does it as a a public service. I wonder because that could that would that be could topical. Be interesting. Yeah. Um, what would be interesting if they actually use this? In, I would be very impressed if they actually use this against us. That we know this and we're saying stupid and actually someone from the NSA who's sympathetic to him and who's listening to these signals <laughs> actually intercepts it and offers the help based on that. I would actually be in, in, uh, impressed if they did that. Yeah, yeah. Play with our expectations. I like when TV shows do that. Um, because, yeah, Lucas is just some dumbass in front of his laptop right now and he looks like it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. He definitely does. Uh, All right. Let's talk about the final uh, storyline. Claire? The thread here. Yeah, Claire. Uh, go for it. Uh, so we've got this guy who is introduced at the beginning where um, they're kind of constructing uh, – w- when Frank is getting sworn in and yep. they're at his house. Uh, his name's Dalton McGinnis. He's uh, some some kind of decorated Marine. And the reason we're introduced to him is because Claire's pl- um, planning her agenda because apparently being the second lady is super fucking busy. And that's yeah, why which, she's giving up CWI. Exactly. 
which we were very curious about why she was doing that last episode. I don't know that that's necessarily true. It seems like even the a lot of first ladies have their own thing going on, hmm. um, let alone vice presidential ladies, because shit, even the vice president doesn't do that much shit. <laughs> that's true. Um, um, so we find out that apparently uh, she went to college with this guy. And then they go to where he's supposed to pin. And we know she doesn't want to go. She doesn't want to go to his little ceremony. Yeah, she, she doesn't want to go get to out of it, but she can't. Um, and so the guy comes up to the table and he says, "Hey, here's who I am." And we we dated briefly, which is already a dick, which move. is cre- creepy at the very if, least. You've never met the dude, you, you, this this woman's husband, mm-hmm. and, which is clearly the case, and you introduce herself as an ex-boyfriend when she doesn't break that information first. That's yeah. that is a clear violation of all <laughs> you know social constructs. That's just not cool. But then Claire, once he leaves the table, Claire has a breakdown and heads off to the bathroom. Uh, Frank follows her, and then it is. Very, very strongly implied that she was raped by this man well, in college. later confirmed in the episode. Oh, was it actually confirmed? I mean, she says he's on top of her. She yeah, yeah. Okay. He stuffed towels down her throat. I'm pretty sure it's non-consensual <laughs> yeah. sex at that point. Well, of course. She broke yeah. his nose trying to fight him off. Uh-huh. Um, and, and this is, like, uh, very so, angering and, and to that, Frank. And, well, yeah. And at that, at that moment, he does not want to go through with this ceremony, and I can't blame him. No, can't I, I can't even imagine the level of control he has to honor this man, and and, and the also, level of control that Claire has. There's there's a lot of stuff when they're they're in their bedroom later on, and she's saying like when she thinks of it with her pinned down like that, she has to strangle that person. She's talking about herself yeah. at that time, so that it doesn't kill her. Right, the the person she is now. Uh, that's that's very powerful imagery, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, I wouldn't ever. It's interesting because now we got this plot. First of all, um, McGinnis was already super dick the way he handled the relationship, and now that we know he actually raped Claire, yeah, it's even a bigger super dick move. Sure, and I'm it, it's it's almost certain that Frank is going to somehow get his revenge, even though Claire has told him not to. Yeah, it doesn't play out in this episode, but you know it's coming. It, it has to. Which is interesting because this has got a lot of in common, surprisingly enough. I never thought I'd make this connection, but this current season of Downton Abbey has a storyline that's almost exactly the same, hmm. where a husband has a dilemma of whether he is going to avenge or take vengeance on his wife's behalf or some affront that happened to her uh-huh. um, and what the consequences and whether the woman even needs protection. Does the woman want to be protected? You know, it's like, does she have any agency in whether her honor quote unquote is defended or not, which are all very interesting questions and stuff. I didn't sure. think that I would ever see that, you know, Downton Abbey and, and house of cards <laughs> could have the same kind of rough uh, storyline going on. Yeah, and it's clear that this event has somehow shaped Claire, but I don't know to what extent yet. Yeah, I mean, one thing I was wondering is, like, is this one the reason she took a guy who's relatively passionless like Frank? Or is more they have a more business-type relationship because... We never see them have sex in the show. Never. And I wonder if, like, she only wants intimacy on her terms, so the fact that... Frank is cool with that is, uh, um, hmm. but otherwise supportive and loving is, is something that attracts to her about, you know, we, she talked a lot yeah, about I, what I attracts know, just, her yeah. to him, but I wonder if this is another facet. Yeah. I also wonder if uh, we know from talking to the doctor with Claire earlier that she has had three abortions. Uh-huh. 
I wonder if there's not more to this and she actually got pregnant from that event. Could be. That would be even more devastating if we find that out later down the road. <laughs> right. Um, so what else we have to talk about? I think, I think that, that's about it. I mean, my prediction is that Frank does do something. Now, at yeah, the end, too. do you think Claire will find out about it? And do you think Claire will be supportive of it? Because one thing hmm. I thought was interesting is why, you know, Claire and, and um, Frank both have been fairly powerful for quite some time. And she doesn't seem to be the type of person that would be squeamish about directly re- avenging herself upon someone. Oh, so sure. Like Jillian? It, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, this is the woman who withers babies and wounds. So I, I thought it was interesting how – I don't want to use the word squeamish, but she just seems like that's just something that she can't even contemplate almost as if it uh, wouldn't be healthy for her. Like, is this a Batman yeah, thing? Like, I once mean, she, you go down that path, she just turn into... She obviously doesn't want to deal with it, right? I mean, the thing she said about having to strangle that person so it doesn't strangle her, she doesn't want to deal with this But what is she afraid reason. of? What is she afraid know. of? I, I don't know. Yeah. The weakness of an all-male cast. We don't... Right? <laughs> it'd be nice to have a panel of women we could turn to and be <laughs> like, the fuck? Actually, we do. Uh, House of Cards at BallMove.com. Give us your thoughts on that. We would love to discuss that when we get to our... Full, full breakdown, cast. yeah, yeah. Full, full cast coming up go. in a few weeks. Uh, is is that it? That's it, man. All that's, right, that's all that happened on the chapter sixteen. So that's it for our instant take, but starting next week, we'll be doing a longer, more in-depth weekly cast for House of Cards. Be sure to send us your thoughts and feedback to houseofcards at baldmove.com, and we just might read it on air. If you've enjoyed our show, please help us get our new House of Cards podcast launched in style by rating, reviewing, and subscribing on iTunes. You can also support us by using our Amazon affiliate link when you shop online. Just go to amazon.baldmove.com and we'll get a tiny cut of Amazon's profits from whatever you buy on that session. Best of all, it costs you nothing. Be sure to tell your friends, family, and coworkers about Bald Move. Also, check out our website for all our other television coverage for Game of Thrones, Mad Men, Walking Dead, Breaking Bad, and Downton Abbey, and all of our general pop culture casts like Personal Arrogance and The Because Show. Keep up with the latest on Twitter at Bald Move and on Facebook.com slash Bald Move. See you next episode. Thank you.